0: Hey, good morning. Hey, we've been asking and answering some uh, basic questions about uh, church, about all sorts of things. What is a pastor? What is the Bible? What is a church? And today we're going to talk about this question. What is a church member? What is a church member? We're going to look to Scripture first to see uh, what the Bible has to say about this. But I want to talk first just quickly about our cultural context that we live in in Huntington, Texas. Uh, Because we have a unique cultural context. So first, we live in a culturally Christian place. Meaning that for many decades and maybe a century or more, it has been good for business, for relationships to be a Christian. Most people you engage with at the store would claim to know Christ, right? Maybe not all, but probably a majority. So we live in a culturally Christian place. But this morning in Huntington, Texas, there's maybe 15% of people that are in church, even though more than half would claim to be a Christ follower. Uh, We live in a very culturally Christian place, but we also, more and more, live in a low-commitment culture. And this is my generation's fault, so I can see, I can see uh, Hal Jackson over there shaking his head. Uh, and this is to my generation's shame a little bit. But we are becoming less and less committed to things. Whether it's church or marriages or jobs or civic organizations or whatever, more and more we are committed. Uh, non-committal than we are high level of commitment. Those are just two aspects of our, church, our, our current culture that I think are important because we're going to talk about being a member of a church means that it's high commitment and high calling. It's not low commitment, right? And so I think this is an important message today for us in our context. So I want to look first to First Corinthians 12 and we'll see what the Bible has to say about this. I want you first to see the why. Before we talk about what a church member is and what a church member does, let's talk about why. Let's talk about motivation first before we talk about the doing. So this is 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12. We'll read all the way to 26. And Paul says this, he says, for just as the body is one and has many members, And all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. Verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And here's where he gets into talking about the members. Verse 15. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Verse 19. If all were a single member, where would the body be? But as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. But on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor, together we talked about this last week that what we were created for as humans as god's creation was for community we were created for community with god we were created to be in relationship with god but he also made us to be in community with one another right we see adam and eve have to cover themselves right there's separation between them when sin enters but that's not what god originally created them for We were meant for community and we need each other. And that's what we see in this passage, that we belong to one another like an eye belongs to a skull, like a finger belongs to a hand, right? And to say that we don't means my finger, this is gross, but if I cut it off, it cannot survive unless somebody reattaches it. You see the picture? (laughs) I won't go further than that this morning, but that's what he's getting at, we need the body and the body needs us right so if we're left to ourselves we will not be spiritually alive and so why do we need each other we need each other for spiritual health we need accountability we need correction at times we need help we need encouragement when we get discouraged we need direction. We need to be shepherded. We need to be told which way to go sometimes. We need to share in each other's suffering. We need to share in each other's rejoicing. Right? We need to lift one another up and care for one another. We also need each other to be obedient to scripture. There are about sixty one another commands in the Bible that's talking about how we interact as one another, as a body. Here's just a small sampling. We should love one another john thirteen thirty four we should honor one another romans twelve ten we should live in harmony with one another romans twelve sixteen we should build up one another romans fourteen nine we should accept one another romans fifteen seven we should care for one another first corinthians twelve twenty five we should serve one another galatians five thirteen we should bear one another 's burdens galatians six two We should forgive one another, Ephesians 4, 2. And we could go on and on and on, but the point is, if we don't have a one another, how do we do any of this, right? We are meant for one another. We need each other to be spiritually healthy. And so commitment is what it takes to do that, and it's good for us. Now, the other thing this passage talks about is that our roles and our contributions are different, we don't, we don't all get to be wiping uh, bottoms this morning in the nursery, changing diapers. We don't all get to do that this morning. Some of us get that privilege. We're not all going to lead a life group or sing a song or whatever. We all have a part to play in the body. But the point is, every part matters. If we're missing a part, the body is suffering, right? That's his point. And so we need each other. And the other thing he points out that we'll just briefly mention is that comparing is our enemy right if the i should say well i don't belong because i'm not an ear it's like you saying well i don't preach so i'm not a part of the church or i don't i don't lead a life group so i'm not a part of the church no that's that's so far from the truth right it's also comparison leads to division it leads to jealousy it leads to Uh, people thinking they don't belong to the body or thinking that I don't need that person. I don't need those kind of people, right? Whether it's the young or the old or the, the whatever, fill in the blank, right? That is division. That's not what God created us for. No, we were created to be together. And we need you and you need us and we need each other to be spiritually healthy And so church membership, belonging to a church in a meaningful way, matters. It does. It does matter. There's no vision in Scripture, and you're welcome to bring, show me an example this week, where there's an isolated Christian, unconnected to a body of believers, just out there, lone ranger, doing it themselves. There's no vision of that in Scripture, there's not that's the honest truth this morning no we were meant to belong to a body so let's talk about what is a church member that's the why we need each other but let's talk about what a church member is i want to talk about it this morning in terms of commitment because our culture is a low commitment culture And uh, we're a little bit flaky, especially my generation, right? We say we'll be there and then we might show up or we might not. So I want to talk about commitment because we are more of a convenience culture. We like our mac and cheese in two minutes in the microwave, right? Not making hand-pressed noodles and making cheese sauce and all that stuff, right? We are a low-commitment, convenience culture. But we were not meant for that. No, we were meant to belong to one another. So let's talk about what is a being a member a commitment to? So first, membership is a commitment to gathering. It's a commitment to gathering. Gathering to learn God's word, worship, and grow as disciples through corporate worship, what we're doing now, and through small groups, and in all kinds of other ways that we gather. We talked about this verse last week, Hebrews 10 24 and 25 he says and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near we're not meant to neglect to forget to not pay attention to our meeting together our gathering no we are meant to Have positive habits when it comes to this we're meant together together now this doesn't mean that if you miss church you're in danger of losing your salvation right there are uh, we laugh we giggle but there are people that teach that that if you miss church you may not be right with the Lord right there's seasons there's all kinds of things (coughs) sorry I'm so sorry Sure, that would be great. Uh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. Uh, I ate some pepper sausage last night, and I think there's still. Anyway, <clears throat> okay, I'm good. I'm good. This doesn't mean that if we don't get together, that we're not we're in danger of losing our salvation. But because we were created to be together, that's what a true Christian desires. And what does he say in the verse? He says, our gathering, the purpose of it is not to check off a box. It's not to, you know, make us feel good, the leaders, and go, oh, we had this many this week. No, the point is what? To stir up one another to love, to good works, to encourage one another. And so I, I want this to always be encouraging, to be stirring us up to love, to stirring us up to good works. That's what it's meant to be. It's not always convenient, It takes a commitment together but acts 2 46 says a day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts we see that the habit of the early church was that they gathered with the whole church but they also gathered where they could know each other and be known right at some point it got too big pretty quickly And they couldn't know everybody, and they couldn't have a connection with every person. And so they started getting together in their homes. Yeah, they got to the temple, they worshiped, but they also got together in their homes so they could know one another and be known, right? So it's important that not just to come and blend in, right? Like we need you need relationships with other people in the church, right? You need a small group. You need other people that you're fellowshipping with, that you're reading the Bible with, that you're praying with, that know what's going on in your life and in your heart. And so it's important that we do both. It's much more convenient to show up and blend in. It's much more convenient to keep each other at arm's distance and, hey, how are you? I'm fine, good, all right, see you next week. That's not what we were created for. We were created to know and be known so first membership is a commitment to gathering second it's a commitment to making disciples it's a commitment to making disciples in our local church body in our community and to the ends of the earth and we're going to talk about this one a lot more next week and so i'm going to leave it a little bit unsaid but matthew 28 18 through 20 That's given to us is the same one that Jesus gives to his disciples when they leave the earth and it's to what it's not to go it's not to baptize it's not no it's to make disciples that's what we're after but he uses two phrases to clarify what he means he says go and make disciples or as you're going make disciples baptizing and teaching. And so what is baptism? Baptism is this picture of somebody becoming a new disciple, right? It's when they are brought from death to life, and they're, they're identifying with Christ for the first time. And so we're called to go, to reach people that don't know Christ. That's part of what it means to make disciples, that we make new disciples. But he also says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, to be obedient so we're not just making new disciples, we're making mature disciples, right? It's not just, hey, we're going to win as many people of the Lord as possible, and then, hey, good luck. No, that's not God's vision at all. No, the, the point is to belong, and to mature, and to grow up, and to, to learn, and to grow. And so it's always both. It's not an either-or. This isn't evangelism versus discipleship. No, it's all of it, that We are to make new disciples, and we are to make mature disciples. And so for us, what that means as church members, to make a commitment to this is two things. To make a commitment to share the gospel. To make a commitment to talk about the good news with other people that Jesus loved us enough to die for us. To make a commitment to engage others with spiritual conversations. To make a commitment to do that. But it's also to make a commitment to invest in others, to help those who are less mature become more mature, to help those that don't know come to know, right? To pour our lives into others, right? Making disciples is both and. New disciples and mature disciples. It's much more convenient to not. It's it's just much more convenient to not do this. It takes commitment to do this. But it's commitment that's for your good and for the good of our church. Third, membership is a commitment to serving. It's a commitment to serving. Serving the ministries and the needs of the church. 1 Peter 4.10. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We are called to serve. We have to make a commitment to serve. And what he points out in this passage, and we also see it in 1 Corinthians 12 and in other places, that we, we have different skills and abilities. Like, really, you don't want me doing certain things in the church, right? There's some that I just shouldn't be serving in, right? It's not my gifting. And, and you may feel similarly, right? No, I can't do this. I can't do that. And there's certainly a place for that, right? We're all made differently. Some of us thrive in certain places. But the point is... That we are meant to use what God has given us to serve one another. We are stewards. A steward is someone who, who takes care of something on, the, on behalf of, of the one who gave it to him, right? So you, if you have a financial planner, he's a steward of your money. He uses your money to try to grow it to help you, not to help him. And God says we are stewards of various gifts. God's given you talents and abilities and uh, relationships and money, and we'll talk about that one later, but, but why? What's the point? Is it to build up you? No. No, he says we are to use it to serve one another. Now, some people say, well, service is a spiritual gift, and I just I don't have that one. <laughs> That's what he says. I, I just don't have that gift, so sorry. But before we believe that, let's, let's take all of Scripture in. Mark ten forty-five. what Jesus has to say, it says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. If anybody had an exemption, if anybody had the right to say, I don't have to serve, I'm better than this, I'm above this, Jesus is the only one. He really was above it, but he set the example for us. He did not leave himself above it and say, that's, that's for all you people to do. No, he humbled himself. And yes, he washed feet. But ultimately, the example is that he gave his life. He put, and this is complicated Trinitarian theology, but he put aside his desires and he submitted himself to the Father's will and he said, whatever needs to be done, I'll do. He's a servant first. And we're meant to follow his example. We're meant to look like Jesus, that we serve. It may not always be my gifting, right? I don't always love whatever the chore is. But if it's what our family needs, that's what I do, right? And that's what we're meant to do in the church, right? Being a church member is a commitment to serving. Sorting food, watching kids, cooking meals, caring for the sick, Sitting with the elderly, painting, serving food at most excellent way, hosting youth in your home, welcoming guests, teaching a life group, investing in kids, playing a musical instrument, making phone calls to new people, doing outreach, keeping people secure, running slides, running a booth, doing, you know, we could go on and on. Service is about what does the body need? Not what does Byron need, but what does the body need? Where are their needs and where can I fill it? That's what service is. It's more convenient to not serve, right? It's more convenient to not do that. But it takes a commitment to serve, and it's for your good and for the good of others. Fourth, membership is a commitment to giving. It's a commitment to giving, giving to the needs of the church cheerfully, convictionally, proportionally, faithfully, and generously. Second Corinthians nine. 6 through 8, Paul talks about this, and he says, The point is this, whoever sows or gives sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows or gives bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. The biblical perspective on giving is this, is that we are meant to sow or give, what does he say, bountifully. We are meant to give bountifully. Now before we jump to, okay, well, what is that amount or how much is that, what we know from Jesus is that bountifully looks very different for each person, right? He talks about the widow and that she watched her go up and give two small coins that were worth a penny. And he watched all these other people drop their coins and their big donations in and he says, that woman gave more than all of them because she gave out of her poverty, not out of her abundance, Right? Bountifully doesn't mean money. Don't let some preacher convince you of that. Bountifully means being sacrificial, being uh, pouring out for the needs of others. For some people, $5 is bountiful. And for some people, $5,000 is not bountiful, okay? So don't get hung up on the amount. Because what God cares about, he says, is our cheerful hearts. He says, I don't want you to give uh, reluctantly or under compulsion, right? Because it, it's about the heart. Listen, God doesn't need your money. Cody spoke about this this summer. God doesn't need your money. He created the world with a word. Why do you think he needs your money, right? And, and we don't need your money, right? That's not what this is about. This is not about pay raises or whatever. The point is to be obedient to Scripture, And the point of giving is to meet needs that exist and to do ministry and to send people to the ends of the earth to advance the gospel. We are not meant to give reluctantly or out of guilt. And I will make that commitment that I will never guilt you or force you or anything into giving. If somebody does that, they're out of line with Scripture, right? But the biblical expectation and the assumption is throughout Scripture is that God's people will give to God's work. 1 Timothy 6, verse 17 and 19. Paul charges Timothy, the young preacher, he tells him to give them this instruction. He says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Thus storing up treasure for themselves is a good foundation for the future so they may take hold of that which is truly life. See, our money is another thing that God's given us be stewards over, just like our gifts, our talents, our time, our relationships, all those sorts of things. And our money is no different. And what he urges us here is to not set our hope in our bank account, in our 401k or whatever, right? Because he says what? It's uncertain, right? This year it's worth this much. Next year it's going to be worth way less, all right? It's called inflation, people. It's uncertain. We don't know. Don't set your hope in something that is shifting and changing and all of that. No, he says that we are meant to be uh, generous and ready to share. And the picture I get is of, of open hands holding something, right? That God puts it in our hands, and it's ours, but it's there ready if somebody needs it. The opposite is that I'm holding on to it. I'm holding it close. I'm not, I'm not ready to share. No, no, the picture is that we're to be generous and ready to share, that shows that our heart is right, that, that God, I know this is ultimately yours. And so being a member, belonging to a body is a commitment to giving to the needs of that body. And you, you can see it most weeks on the screen or in the bulletin. You can see that, that we're behind and this is not a pitch. This is not a, <laughs> all right, here's, here's our giving campaign. No, but I am going to call us to obedience to scripture. That if we're not ready to share, if we're not being generous, if we're not giving cheerfully, if we're not giving out of, out of the abundance of what God's given us, then we're in disobedience to Scripture, not to me, not to whatever, right? We are stewards of what God has given us. It's more convenient to not give. It is, right? It's more convenient to just come and receive than to come and give. But God calls us to both. God calls us to both. Fifth, membership is a commitment to uniting, uniting, a commitment to uniting over sound doctrine and shared belief in the gospel. Philippians 1, Philippians 1, let me just read out of here. He says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit. With one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And then chapter 2, verse 2, he says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. What he's saying here is that we're called to be united together around our belief in the gospel. That's what unites us as a people. There's no other common characteristic in this room that puts these people together in a room together. We are called to unite over the gospel. This doesn't mean that we will have all the same opinions about all kinds of secondary and even lesser important issues, right? Right? We're not. We're never going to agree on end times and and all sorts of other issues. But we are called to unite over sound doctrine. Who is God? What is sin? What is salvation? What is most important? We are called to unite, not to divide. And there's so much more we could say here about this. Uh, I'm going to leave it for another day. But we must unite. That's what belonging to this body is, is a commitment to unite. It's more convenient to just not, to divide, to argue, to split. It's much more convenient to be very opinionated and not uh, gracious in how we deal with one another. It takes commitment to truth, to unite together. Sixth, being a member is a commitment to reconciling reconciling. It's a commitment to reconciling with God and with others when sin divides us. We won't look at it, but Matthew 18 is a great picture of this, a picture of grace and truth, that, that when there is sin, what Satan wants to do is he wants to use it to divide us, He wants to use it to keep us apart. That's what God wants in my marriage. I'm sorry, that's what Satan wants in our marriage. That's what Satan wants in my friendships. That's what Satan wants in all kinds of relationships. He wants to keep us divided, and he wants to split churches, and he wants to keep some people over here and some people over here, right? No, no, membership is a commitment to reconciling. That's first with God, right, to repent. When When we're wrong, to repent. To, to turn from that and to to go after god and to do what he says right see we're called to be full of grace and full of truth and we probably all fear on one side of that some of us are more prone to be gracious and ah it's not a big deal i'm not going to address it some of us are more truth-filled and we want to call out everybody on everything they do jesus was full of grace and full of truth he's going to give you the truth that you're wrong, you're a sinner, you're bound for hell. And if you don't turn from that, then you will spend eternity in hell. But he's going to give grace too. That there's hope, that there's mercy, there's forgiveness. And he's full of both. And we're called to do the same in our interactions. Romans twelve eighteen. I memorized this many years ago and it served me well and I think you can too. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And this verse makes clear a few things, that the goal and the aim of our interactions is to be at peace, right? That's our, that's our aim with God. We want to be at peace with God, and we're meant to be at peace with one another. So that's the aim in everything that we do. But he also recognizes that we live in a sinful world, and he says, if possible. So he leaves open the possibility that this is not always going to work out, and everybody's thinking of that person in their head, right? if possible he says so far as it depends on you meaning you've done everything you can do to be at peace with somebody you've you've owned your own sin you've apologized you've forgiven you've gone out of your way you've been intentional you've you've exhausted all possibilities he says that's all you're responsible for is you how you treat other people some people may not want that peace back let me say this reconciling is not always fun It's not always fun, but it's good. It's good for us. It's not always convenient. What's convenient, and in my family, how we were raised was just put it under the rug. (laughs) Come back to it another day, maybe. It's not always what's best. We're called to reconcile. We're called to work it out. Lastly, being a member is a commitment to submitting. Submitting to scripture as our ultimate authority and to our leaders, holding them accountable to teach God's word faithfully. Acts 17, 11, the Bereans, it says, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. See, our ultimate authority in here is not me, it's not somebody else. Our ultimate authority is God's word. And always and if I say something that's wrong come point it out because I want to teach God's Word that's 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 it right here this is our authority it's not somebody else and so we are called to what submit to it when it says this is the way to go we go when it says this is what we should do we do it being a member of a church a godly church is a call to submit and we should hold our teachers of all kinds accountable to teaching the truth of this there's later instruction in Hebrews 13, verse 7 and 17. It says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. And let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. See, we're called to submit to God's Word, and God's Word has, give, has told us to put leaders, godly leaders, who are teaching God's Word and living this out over us, and we're called to submit to them. When they say, hey, here's what we should do, we go. We follow them, right? We're called to do this. That's me too. I'm not, I'm not above this. I'm not beyond this as pastor. No, no, no. There are men that tell me what to do sometimes. I think I've submitted more since I've been in this role than when I wasn't in this role, right? Right? There's more of that, and that's good. I need that. You need that. There's roles to play, and God has given us that. And those men and, and each other, we're called to watch over each other's souls, right? To care for one another. So submitting means that we don't have to be on top. We don't have to be the boss. We don't have to have our way. It means that ultimately we're in submission to God's word, right? That's the point there's so many other things we could say about what it means to be a church member and there's we will say more I'm sure it's much more convenient to be individualistic it's much more convenient to keep people at arm's length to do our own thing to be our own boss and this flies in the face of our Western uh, Christianity where I'm the I'm the king of my domain I'm the ruler I'm the captain no one can tell me what to do it's much more convenient to not commit, but commitment is for our good. Committing to this body is for our good. And so how do we respond to this? How do we respond? Well, a couple things. There's some of you in here that have been checking out our church, trying to figure out, you know, is this where to fit? I think the first thing you can do is just pray. Pray about joining. Pray about belonging. Pray about committing to these things, right? We would love to do that. I'd love to talk to you after this church today and get you plugged into the life of our church. For most of us in the room that are, I do belong, man, I, I feel this as I preach this. Man, I need, I need to do this better. Man, I need to commit to this more. Man, I don't always do that the way I ought to, right? Like as God's word exposes where we're off, let's respond to it. Let's repent and let's move forward. We're going to have a class called Membership Matters. It used to be called First Class. It's going to be October 9th. Uh, It's a Sunday morning. If you're interested in becoming a member or you've recently become a member or you just want to know more about our church, make plans to be there. Um, My hope and my prayer is that membership would mean something here. That we would belong to one another in a meaningful way. We would care for one another. We would support one another. And we would point each other to Jesus in all ways. Let me pray and then we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. God, thank you for the truth of your word. And even when it stings sometimes or doesn't agree with maybe how we would like things to be, God, I pray that we would be people that submit to it. God, I pray that we would commit. We would not just be uh, flaky or non-committal or um, just individuals doing our own thing. God, I pray that we would commit to this body or to somebody to, that loves the Lord and is, is trying to do what you called them to do. God, I pray that we would be people of commitment, not of convenience. And so, God, as we come together now to celebrate the Lord's Supper, to remember what you've done for us, I pray that you would just direct our hearts to you, God. We love you. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.